Hello and welcome to the STC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. Jason, back again. How are you, sir? Very well. Very well. I'm a little upset because I had to cancel my golf uh, outing. Well, I didn't have to. It's just you just don't know what's going to happen in Melbourne. And when you read the weather radar and it says 25 millimeters rain, thunderstorms <laughs> mid morning, you don't really want to be out on a golf course doing that. Even if you have been out, like unable to play for months on end, 25 millimeters of rain is a lot of rain. So, yeah, and then for that. it's 12:20 uh, p.m. and we haven't had a single drop since I woke up. So I'm very, very salty. Yeah. Very salty. Yeah. First thing Amy actually yelled out, she's like, oh, Jace gets to play golf today. I'm like, oh, he cancelled. I uh, bet you it doesn't rain. <laughs> and have you got one booked for the weekend? Uh, I'm playing Friday morning uh, and I'm thinking about just waking up early tomorrow and looking at the radar. And like, I, I've got, I've played in the eye of a storm, like literally, like, yeah. Worst conditions you could think of, I've played. So, I was like, it can't be as bad as that. So I might, yeah, tomorrow just chuck the wet weather gear on and just go out for a hit. I just want to go out. I just want to get out of the yeah. house. Like, you know. We've got rain scheduled for like seven days, man. So yeah, yeah, that's it. So to eat early. Yeah. Yeah. So then- yeah, we had our um, our first running session. So I've been like, I did a whole block conditioning so I could then reach out to someone and be like, okay, give me a running program so I don't break my shit. Then that was a week. It's like, okay, it's finally coming. We're going to do this running session feels like 11 degrees outside like fuck you melbourne fuck you <laughs> yeah i don't get uh, it looks like, it's like temperature like i don't get that feels like temperature it's like well when you look at when you live in melbourne you can't use the actual temperature because the wind is always so cold it's yeah it, is it in the shade as well the shade and wind or is it so just normal temperature is measured in the shade always okay. and then your feels like considers like wind humidity right that kind of shit as well okay yeah yeah well then that makes a lot more sense because sometimes when they say that i'm like if it, like if it feels like why isn't it you know yeah yeah well, like this the celsius isn't where it is but it's yeah. the equivalent of maybe it's like how quick you would die that's how they measure it <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah we were in um new york in january and they had this like once in a hundred year blizzard and I was like, the outdoor temperature was minus 12, but it felt like minus 25 because of the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Amy got like, it's called frost nip. It's like you, your skin goes all red and pink. Um, but it's like the step before frostbite, obviously. Oh, wow. Because we, because of the flight, she um, obviously held a heap of water in her legs. Yeah. To yeah. Fit her thermals on. And we were like, no, you're walking. You got jeans on. Be fine. And I didn't feel like she wasn't shivering or anything, but yeah, we got home. Like all her legs were all pink. Wow. Like, oh, okay. It's, it's actually very cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, feels like it's legit. Okay. Well, now I know. There you go. Welcome. 
<laughs> I can't even bother with the actual temperature in Melbourne now. Yeah. It's just like, what does it feel like? Because the sun can be out and the wind can be that fucking Ooh. cold. That Yeah, it could be the opposite too. Like we were cooking yesterday on our walk. Mm. Like I was like, oh, I'm getting something. Like my face is sunburned a little bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird place to live. Like obviously <laughs> weather-wise and now obviously living conditions. Yeah. Yeah, what they say is like, well, normally outside of the last two years, if um, if Melbourne had country Victoria weather, you wouldn't be able to afford to live here. Yeah. It's like yeah. such a good city, but the weather sucks. Now it's so shit, everyone wants to leave. Yeah. <laughs> the house, price, house prices haven't dropped. I can confirm that. Yeah. Yeah. No, because no one can get a house. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So today we're going to talk about uh, so I actually ticked over 11 years in the industry yesterday. So yay Ooh, for me. Congratulations, Ben. Thanks, bro. Um, so yeah, 10 years pretty much as a dot PT a year before that in membership sales. So I thought it'd be cool to do an episode on like all the mistakes that we've made that you don't need to because we've already made them and we'll tell you how not to make them. <laughs> Where do we start? Um, this going to be a long one. Do you know when you started? Do you know how like how far you're actually in? You know, I only know because Facebook told me. Um. So I got, I started uh, a job at, as a receptionist behind the counter at a gym when I was 20. Yeah. So 12 years. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. 12. Yeah. So I think we'll start off. So we're actually going to use. 13 for me. Sorry. I'm older than you. I was being nice. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, that doesn't add up. <laughs> I was saving you, yeah. Uh, uh, um, does COVID count? Like, can I just take that back? Like, yeah, I'm still that? 30, bro. Like, I haven't gone beyond 30. I love that. I love that idea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like we'll just use the pillars that we obviously always talk about. So, mindset, model, service, sales, and technical proficiency. And just go over like, what fuck ups we had in each area so then people can kind of walk away with what they can do yeah. in their own business if they're a little bit earlier on and hopefully not have to make the same fuck same mistakes that we did some good advice yeah so give us an insight like mindset wise when you started out as a trainer um obviously we talk about like the business owner mindset now so like growth and ownership clarity of vision all of those things what were they like when you started? Uh, I didn't even know they existed. So <laughs> uh, business owner mindset, you have to be a business owner, have a mindset like that. So um, yeah, that was a bit of a struggle, but yeah. Yeah. Just the, in terms of overall, I guess, a pro, you know, my mental approach, mindset based approach to personal training and getting it set up uh, and getting myself off my feet. It's like heavily predicated on being the hardest worker in the room. You know, like kind of like bodybuilding, you can, I've never really met someone who works hard and doesn't really get results, like irrespective of whether they do things, you know, not to the scientific principles and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, even obviously coming from uh, a a family that's, you know, predominantly laborious and, you know, have migrated from overseas and kind of built themselves up from nothing. It was... It's kind of that all or nothing, you know, work hard, 
if you work hard, things will pay off. Like that was really the kind of the message that grandparents and mum and dad kind of kind of sent to me is, is that if you try hard enough, things will usually work out for you. Um, however, uh, that only works if you're really passionate about what you're doing and you want it to work. So I did work extremely hard, but um, it was a little bit aimless too. Didn't really kind of know what I was doing. I, I was fortunate enough, like I kind of, it was a methodical approach what I did. I got a job at the counter at the gym to work out how the gym worked. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, for any other reason, like people were just like mm, you know, young meathead behind the counter. It's a bit weird at a fitness club. Um, but it was more, I got to see all the trainers and how they, how things worked there. So I had a really good idea of like just what to do and, um, and everybody kind of knew who I was, but when it came to actually, you know, evolving as a personal trainer and evolving, my business I definitely didn't have like a growth mindset it was like uh really hard for me to be uh to consider things like failure and consider myself as um you know doing something that or putting something out that wasn't perfect and you know having the fear of what other people would think of me if I made a mistake or if someone challenged me on something or something like that so I know that that was something that I had to kind of overcome and it took a lot of years to overcome that um, and you know, sometimes it rears, it rears its head now when it came to ownership and stuff, I was pretty good. Um, I think coming from that work ethic work, you know, background, it's just like, you kind of have ownership. It's like, it didn't happen because it didn't work hard. Mm. You know, it's just like, I didn't get 20, 30 appointments in the first, in the first fortnight because I didn't call people. I didn't walk the floor. I did I just didn't do it. So it's like yeah. the only way to, to get that done is to go and do it. You know, I was really good at that. Um, I think when you go to that next step of like evolution um, and actually coming to run a business, that's when growth growth and ownership are important. Like especially, well, growth was more important than ownership for me because I already had that mindset yeah. of like, if it's going to be, it's up to me kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that like there was a big step to take after that um, to just be like, well, I've got to do things. Um, they, you know, I've got to put things out. I've got to, you know, be challenged on things uh, you know done's better than perfect i can't think of the what ifs and and all that kind of stuff so that was a a, a huge kind of uh shift that i had to make um, and then i was lucky i had a good support network like honestly man i can remember a very very distinct phone call that i had with steph it was 5 30 in the morning i'd been stood up i was tired i hadn't had i'd we had three days off in my first like 90 days because i was working in reception as well i was up i was over it. Yeah, I couldn't be fucked with the rejection anymore. I'm not really a morning person. Or I wasn't then. And I just said to her, that's it, I'm done. I'm yeah. going to quit, you know? Um, and she was just like, that's not a good idea. And she's like, you're going to be great at this. Like, you're, I know, she's like, I know you're going to be great at this. So I, yeah. you need to keep going. And I was just so done with it personally that if I didn't have that support network, I would have just gone and got a job um, and probably looking at the clock for the rest of my life. Um, so I'm certainly unfortunate as well to have that support network um, to lean on as well. So yeah, I yeah, think that's they're the major ones. It's interesting. I, I thought I was applying for that reception job and I was actually applying. So it's called a membership consultant. I'm like, I'm fucking, what, 20 from the country. I don't know how, like when you went to the fucking rec center in my, my country town, 
was like, hey, I want to sign up. And someone hands you a form and you fill out the form and then you get a membership. Yeah. So I was like, oh, all right, well, I'll fuck, I can do that. How like, that's easy. <laughs> I can talk to people when they come in the door. It's fine. Like I did customer service at my retail job, like whatever. And I fucking, we're like, oh, three day, three day. Um, that was five, five day induction on the other side of the fucking city. I walked in on the first day and we got handed like a sales, like a handbook. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not what I thought. Like I was taking six months off uni. I was just like, I need to make some money, kind of yeah. get ahead a little bit. And then I'll go back and finish engineering as much as I fucking hated it. And then, yeah, I sat down and was like, oh, this is not reception telling, like just signing people up. This is a fucking sales job. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think my first couple of months were pretty shit. And then for the last six months, I think I was top three in the company for that time. And it was the first job that I'd had that because it was commission-based primarily, if you worked harder than the person sitting next to you, you got paid more. Yeah. I was like, I like this. This is based on merit. This is based on effort. Um, I'm about this. This isn't, yeah. yeah, this is a thing. And no one else can like bring down my outcomes. This is this is a cool thing. So yeah, obviously um, we actually trained up a couple of people who came through, but I was still, if I look back on it now, it's like I wasn't in a position to be an assistant manager of a club with 4,000 members. But in my head, that role was basically the sales role. And I was like, well, I taught these people and the people that I taught had broken records within the company, like for monthly sales and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I fucking got this. Like I can, I can do this job. I'm good at it. And I walked in to speak to the manager and I was like, so what's the, what's the go with the application for the role? Cause someone had left. And he's like, Oh no, you're not ready for that. And like, that was it for me. I was like, no bro, I come out, walked straight out of his office into the PT manager's office. Like, when can I start? And that was it. So I left because I was salty that I didn't get the promotion. And I wanted that. It was, again, it was like, well, someone else has a decision over my outcomes. I'm not okay with that. So I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess it was the same. Like I had the benefit of obviously 12 months in sales. I left the sales team and went on to the gym floor. So I was obviously taken care of reasonably well there. Anyone who's worked in a big boss club knows it's beneficial to be friends with the MCs. Mm-hmm. Like Jason was when I was an MC. <laughs> friends with lots of them. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it started from there, but it was just like looking back, I guess the, the biggest mistakes that I sort of made was like, I wish I'd have pursued being good earlier. Yeah, I can get business and I, I could form good relationships because that's something that just came naturally to me. But it was the quality of the coaching that was a problem. And that was that was an ownership thing. The growth part was easy. Like I was put myself out there and just do this thing. But I didn't put enough effort into the thought process of serving there with, with the best possible outcomes. And yeah. That's something that evolved over time. Yeah, it's funny because we basically took two totally different paths. Like I had a mate who was a personal trainer and I met him at university and um, he basically gave me a bit of an idea of like, it's actually a legitimate thing to be a personal trainer and trade money for time. I was like, oh, fuck. So this, this thing that I actually want to do can be done because before that I was just like, I'm doing it. I haven't looked yeah. into it, but I'm doing it. You know, don't know anything about how it works, but I'm doing it. And then, um, but it was all about, because when you're in higher education, um, it just gets like bred into you that you're better than everyone 
mm. um, for some reason, because you've got a piece of paper that says that you went to school and paid thousands of dollars for shit that you're probably <laughs> never going to use with people or have a course at the, have a, a, a diploma and whatever, or a bachelor and whatever, and you actually don't have a fucking job at the end of it, but mm. whatever. Um, so <laughs> technically I was very confident, you know, when it came to an, an ability, I was, was there. Um, but it was like the opposite for me. I was just like, fuck, like, how am I going to have a conversation with this person? Like trying and get them to, you know, sign up for personal training. Like that's just a foreign thing to me. It's like, I'm a university graduate. Like you should just, you know, and I work for the gym. Yeah. I work for the gym and you have goals and I can get them for you. So you should just pay me money and, and I'll show you how to do that. Like kind of thing. So it was really like, if the two of us kind of merged together on the first day, it's like, that's exactly what you need. Yeah. Yeah, and I think realistically in what we've seen in standout PT is everyone seems to lean one side or the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's you 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 have you lean one side or the other, and it's the person who's willing to lean the other way that gets that we see makes the best progress. Cause you'll have those people that are just like book smart, technically smart, and it's like, and there's just this like reluctance to, you know, learn sales and you know, marketing and things that actually run a business. If you look at the most successful businesses in the world, they all do the same things. They market, they have sales strategies, all those things. There's just this like reluctance because they've spent so much time in academia Mm. that they deserve for, you know, business and they deserve to charge all this stuff. And it's like those people in most cases aren't really that successful. It's the people that are still good technically, but know that there's other things that they need other holes in their business that they need to fill. And they're also willing to, you know, be shit at things and make mistakes and learn new stuff. Um, they, they're the ones that become more successful most of the time. Yeah. Can you remember when you decided you were running a business? Uh, so really good. Uh, so we actually had a good FD at one point. Um, so for those people who don't know what that is, the fitness director. <laughs> so it's just like a person that manages all the personal trainers at the gym, even though the personal trainers technically don't work for the gym and run their own individual businesses. But the beauty of it was that our performances directly reflected his you know, paycheck. And we had someone who obviously wanted to make a decent amount of money and climb the ladder in the business, but he actually was a really far compassionate personal trainer too. So he was really good when it came to uh, starting to think uh, about, you know, just like lead generation and um, services and, you know, just like all the things that you don't think about when you're a personal trainer, you just train time for money. You don't even know what you do. You can't tell your mom, you can't tell someone at a barbecue, like, you know, this is me. I work for this business. This is the people I work with. These are the outcomes that they get because of the problems that have this, 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 and this. And I believe that I need to do, you know, X, Y, and Z um, to help the industry or whatever. It's like, I, I couldn't answer. I couldn't do that stuff. You know, so this particular fitness director was like a really good person to kind of take for me to be taken under the wing and, you know, and, and start to look at what does an actual business do? What is a business? Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, and then, and it's like, what do I need to do in order to make this business happen? Yeah. You know, or, or, or to create this business. So that was, that was probably the first point. And then I think the next one after that was obviously you and I, um, kind of merging together. Uh, obviously we needed to take, uh, the next step in both of our careers, 
and you were much more, uh, I guess, aware of that stuff than I was. Um, probably still are more aware of it than I am now, um, but that's okay because it's not my KPR anymore. Um, and that was exactly what I needed at the time. You know, um, so I think those two things together and then, yeah, obviously I've now evolved to think and act autonomously for most things in, in terms of like our businesses. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that we did, it was just like, we're just going to do this. We're just going to send it. Um, it, there was a few moments that I think it sort of, I sat back and went, this is a thing. This is like where actually running a business now, not just like working. So I feel like a lot of the stuff, even once STC fit had been established, I still think we were just working. Yeah. hundred percent. We weren't actually running a business just yet. Like a lot of, there was a lot happening, but not much of it was really connected. Mm. Um, there's a couple of times that we actually that I got like approached in public at a couple of seminars and, a, and an expo and shit. And they were like, Oh, you're the STC fit guy. And I was like, fuck, okay, this is actually a thing. Like before that was just, I was had my head down trying to make it something, but I hadn't really accepted that it was, which probably meant that I was approaching it like a business owner, but I hadn't really accepted that that's what we were yet. Yeah. Um, and then there was a big course that we took the cert four through and we had that. And then we ran our own intake and we had a deal on the table that ended up being pretty much, we were, someone was trying to shaft us, um, to run an allied health course. And I think that whole intertwining, like the, the, our mentorship was going really well. We were teaching, we were, it was like, okay, this is the fucking thing now. Yeah. Um, we got the office. It was like, okay, this is, this is it. Yeah. Whatever yeah, I, this looks like moving forwards, this is where business owners now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think like the start of the awareness of business stuff definitely came from like what I just spoke about before. Um, but once it, once our business together started to become more legit is when, yeah, we started to, obviously we had, bit of a rude awakening um, <laughs> by having someone come into our business who ran a business and said, your business is shit. Yeah. Um, so that was a really big wake up call. Uh, but that was like the catalyst to, you know, like speaking about mindsets is like, if you had, you could, you could take that either way. You could go, well, I'm going to make this work. We're going to tear it all down and rebuild it again. Or you're going to be like, oh, oh fuck you. Like, yeah, um, yeah. how dare you tell me what to do and, and make me feel like shit and rah, rah, I'm not going to listen to you kind of thing. Um, so yeah, there was definitely a couple of rude awakenings along the way. Um, but both, but there were probably two times I reckon that happened. Um, we had like reshape of the business and, um, yeah, like someone come in and, and obviously give us feedback. And I think both of those things, um, uh, like put us on a better path, uh, and made us think like business owners made us think about what's the next move. Let's go back to the, the, the mission. Let's go, let's have a look at what we offer. Let's look at the services. Where do we want to be? Who do we want to work with? What outcomes do we want to get? Like we're actually starting to have good conversations, like splitting up responsibilities, outsourcing things where we can, like that's, that's a business. Yeah. It's not a bunch yeah. of people who work hard, which is what I came from. You, we both came from it. It's like, you, you yeah. were like, I'm going to be the hardest worker in the room sales. And I was like, I'm going to be the hardest worker in the room as a personal trainer. And then you moved to PT and did the same thing. So then we went, 
well, if we, if we make this business work to make this new business work, we just got to work hard. And it's like, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't work that time because yeah, it, it went more, it was more than just making phone calls and having conversations with people and training people. Yeah. It's like you can work did, hard uh, doing those things. I did an Instagram story yesterday and, and like this is probably skipping ahead to another pillar, but like we made more content than anyone else I know at that time. We had a podcast, we had blogs, we had YouTube videos, we had yeah. posters, fucking like no one in the industry I'm talking, not just like in our little bubble and fucking point calls. Like I don't know anyone that was putting out as much content as often as we were and it wasn't fucking working. Yeah. Yeah. We, were, we just did like, so much stuff there. Yeah. Like you said, it was just people working hard and then like we had a good reputation the, in the gym. That was it. And we still do. We still carry that reputation yeah. in, in our environment, but yeah, it was like, there's there's more than one suburb in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. the return wasn't worth it though. Like we look, oh, I, yeah. look I look back at it now. Someone said to me, like, do all this stuff to get you did to this part of your journey. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a better way. <laughs> fucking way. Yeah, so, yeah. And it, that's where a lot of people would fall off the 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 path. You know, that's when they do yeah. throw it in. They have that. I'm either they've done what we've done and tried everything, like, you know, worked hard and threw out all these aimless ideas with no real purpose, hoping that they would, you know, hit a target, you know? Um, and then they just go, no, I'm done. But it was just a, for you and I, it meant more like hmm. the, do it working in this industry means more to us than other people. And so if it doesn't work, we're prepared to go back to the drawing board and continue to try. But yeah, you know, I don't know about you. There's been times when, you know, I was like, fuck, this better work soon, you know, because it's like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. It's only going to get harder to, you know, establish my roots in another industry doing another job. So it's like, if I know other people have those thoughts and I'm the yeah. person who was 15 years old or 14 years old and just like, nah, I'm going to be a personal trainer. Don't care what yeah. you say. I'm going to be a personal trainer. And I had those thoughts, you yeah. know. Yeah, 100%. I think that the... The first time we became business owners, and this now starts to fall into the the model side of things and setting up a business, is when we had our first weekend away as a group of, of the directors at the time. And that was the first time, I think, we really sat down deliberately to work on the business. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And we said, these are the roles and responsibilities that you have to work on the business. Mm. Like creating content and stuff was in. We need to go and work on the development of this thing. Yeah. And I think that was the turning point. Yeah. It wasn't when we started succeeding, but it was when we started asking the right questions that put us in a position to succeed down the track. Yeah. Uh, so if we, if we had have started working on our business, once we had full books, which for both of us was inside our first 12 weeks, we would have been successful much, much, much sooner. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So from a from a business from a, a running the business side and a business model maybe idea, what are the main mistakes you think we and yourself even when you were pre STC fit made? I didn't know business models existed. That makes it hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just don't get told that stuff. It's like um sign up to a gym and you train people 
don't really know that you work for yourself, but you work for yourself. You got to pay the gym. Um, so it's like, I don't know how that's going to work. Like fortunate enough, like we were on the direct debit wagon, like at the gym there, like that was a thing. So I knew that like I had to get a direct debit, you know? So I guess I kind of had a business model, like, you know, because people signed a direct debit form. Um, but yeah, it was just like, there was no from A to Z, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, try to replicate it, you know, try to be consistent. Understand, like, what does the person need? How do they inquire? How do they sit down with you? Like I had little bits and pieces. It just didn't work well. It was clunky. Um, obviously I was like, you know, reading these bullshit scripts from, you know, that they give you in your induction and stuff. And when someone fucking deviated from the, from the script, I looked like a fucking deer in headlights. You know, <laughs> I didn't know what to say, you know, cause I didn't know how to have real conversations with people and talk about money. You know, I was scared about money cause I'd never had money. I don't know about you, but we didn't have money when we were, we were younger. Like I had 10, $20 in a, in a little money box that I was only allowed to go and buy stuff with if I asked my parents, you know, I didn't have access to anything. Like we just got what we needed, not what we wanted. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that only got, there was a bit of a, a spot in my adolescence where things got real rough, you know? Um, and I, obviously I know your story as well. So talking about money for me was a big deal because I never had it. So I yeah. didn't know how to have a really honest conversation with someone about it and just say, oh, you know, if personal training is just this much, it was never just for me. It's like, you gave me $5. I was like, fuck, this is ridiculous. Like, this is awesome. I made my own money. So yeah, it was just like a lot of that stuff. Like there was no, here's all the things that you need to make a business work. These are all the areas that you need to cover just to make your business work for you, get you time back, make it consistent, you know, give you confidence when you practice, you know, make you look legit so that you have authority. Like there's all of these things involved in that that help make things easier for you and make it look good for the client too. You know, we talk about it all the time. Confidence is everything. Authority is everything. But never, we never got to all that. It's just like say this stuff to convince this person to work with you. Yeah. And if you didn't, if you didn't, if that person doesn't sign up with you, you didn't convince them enough. Like you didn't push them hard enough. So like, fuck, I didn't want to be that person. Like yeah. where we sat down and it's like, all right, I'm not fucking leaving this seat until you sign up. Like, no way. Like, yeah. I've never been that way. And I didn't want to be, but I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. I remember a book that probably changed the direction of, of my career. It were two things happened at the same time. You went on holidays and I had to, because you didn't have a business model that would service <laughs> someone while they were on holidays. My personal trainer left for eight weeks. And I was like, oh, fuck, I have to do my own shit. So I bought um, BPAC's program. Yeah. It was like a 12 month thing that like taught you how to train and had videos and all this shit. And I was like, because I've always, like you said, had that idea of it being bigger than just doing sessions. I'd always had that in my mind. I just didn't know how to do it. I saw Ben's model and went, that's a thing. There's, there's more than this. Um, and then I found the book, uh, outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I reckon I listened to it in a day. I found an audio version. I listened to it all in one day. No, the whole principle is like the 10,000 hours. Thing. So from that moment forward, it was like, I had Ben, he, he had his podcast. So just like, there was nothing else. There's no other content to consume. It's gone found posted once a month. Contreras posted once a month. And like, I didn't know what, like all the guys talk about the forums and shit. Like I was never exposed to the forums. I wasn't, yeah. didn't know that were a thing. So that was all we had. So it was like Phil learning how to podcast, 
Ben had a podcast mm. and like, that was it. So we, we listened to so much of that shit that we could impersonate Phil Lerny's accent. Yeah. It was like, it's the only fucking thing we had. So I went down that rabbit hole really hard. And, and one of Ben's things was like, what would you do if you were the best in the world at what you did? So it's like, that was in the back of my head. And then Malcolm Gladwell was like, well, it's going to take you 10,000 hours to do that. So I was like, well, how quick can I get 10,000 hours? And that, that was where the just do shit was born. It was like, just make content, just put out videos, just push out blogs, make a website, do a podcast, just fucking do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. And eventually you'll be an expert. Yep. And that happened. It was just like, we could have had way more success during that time yeah. if we had structure around it. So that was probably the start of it. And looking at, at what Ben was doing is like, well, we can do this. We can do something like this for our people. Yeah. Um, not, not around bodybuilding and delivered more specifically for the people that we had and then layer in face-to-face coaching. It was like all those pieces of the puzzle started to come together. It's like, well, I work with Jace. We work really well together. He can do like the physique side of things. I'm better at the fat loss side of things and the, like the gen pop kind of stuff at the time. Well, let's see where we can take that. <laughs> and then we mentored the two boys at the gym. So if anyone's ever seen our old old, old, old stuff um, with Jack and Reese in the, in the videos, we mentored those two boys and was like, Hey, we actually can take personal trainers. Cause they went from going to quit inside their 12 weeks to fucking killing it. Both of them. Yeah. So it was like, Oh, let's, let's look at this as a thing. And that's when the mentorship was, was kind of born. I think that's when we were like, okay, this is a business model now. Yeah. We, Cause we had to teach someone else how to do it. We had to write down what we did. And I don't think you should wait until you have to teach someone to do that. And that's what we teach now is like, go and write and record exactly what you fucking do. Because as soon as you have to write it down, you have to understand it. Once you understand it, you'll be confident in it. Once you're confident in it, it has to convince anyone to work with you anymore. Yeah. Because you believe in it. Yeah. You actually know what this all is. So it becomes so, so much easier. Um, So yeah, from from a, when we had a business model standpoint, it was when I started writing down what we did being able to tell it to somebody else yeah so from a service standpoint um i'm pretty vocal on how shit i was as a personal trainer i always if i see anyone that i've ever trained in my my first year i always make a point of apologizing to them <laughs> I feel like every trainer does that. i see that too like oh, i'm so sorry like what are you sorry for <laughs> yeah yeah I've, I've had some low lights um from look to be honest i actually did it when i moved gyms um, I took out every piece of paper that I had with all my measurements and went through like every month that I'd ever done with anybody. And I think I had like a 98% success rate of, of like reduced centimeters. Yeah. How I achieved it's that. Just how, it's just how, how you do did that it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm the same. <laughs> uh, so it's not like they didn't get the outcomes. Just like they probably didn't need to do Shannon Ponton's diet and they probably could have had better programs and stuff like there's better ways to do things but that's okay i hopefully most of them have pursued further education and understand nutrition and training a little bit beyond what i'm sure if they came back to you then they'd appreciate the evolution that you've made yes definitely (laughs) i hope hope lots the same trainer i was 10 years ago fuck be terrifying um but again i think the service evolved once we wanted to roll it out to a bunch of different people and 
I think if you look at the way we educate other trainers now, that's what we are trying to get people to do without ever, without well before they need to put someone on. Mm. So it's like, what is your system? If you were going to get somebody else to replace you tomorrow, yeah, what would you need to give them for them to do it and make it everything that you do repeatable, efficient, and effective? Mm. And then the only caveat that we put inside that is it cannot negatively affect the outcomes or the experience of the client. Yeah. Yeah, I think technology has definitely helped with the service stuff. Um, yeah. We've been fortunate to have the mindset to move with it. Um, you can, so that's really helps like evolve the service. Um, and then obviously like just looking back and seeing what we can offer the clients, you know, mm. trying to give them more, like trying to move more from like uh, the client buying a package of sessions to like a membership. It's like, and then it's like in that membership, like what does this person get? Yeah. You know, what are the things that this person needs? Uh, to fulfill the outcomes that they want and how can we deliver that for them? Like, where does it go? How does it work? You know, what's, yeah. what's in there, you know, those kind of things. So there's, that, that was the, sorry, man, that was like the first time we looked at, well, who do we work with as well? Yeah. And what do they actually want? What do they actually need? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't believe we ever called it this, but remember fat camp? Yeah. We had muscle camp and fat camp, uh, which was a fat <laughs> loss camp to be, we just, it was too long. Fat loss was too it, long. It just wasn't cool to call it fat loss camp. So we had to yeah. call it fat camp. <laughs> Hey, it was full. So, hey, we got good results. And so. it was pre-PC era that we got away with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that was the first time that we sat down and went like, okay, these are two different def- demographics that we work with. What do they need? What are their problems? How do we solve them? Not consciously. We weren't aware that that's what we were doing, but that's what yeah. we did. And that's why it got results at the time. It's why we had groups of 10, 15, 20 people in those, those sessions doing education. Like no one was doing education in the gym at that time. Yeah. No one was paying for education as a client. Like what the fuck? Yeah. You just like, paid for sessions. Yeah. I'm a PT. And you might've got um, a program if you had a good one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I think that was, that was a big turning point for the service to step back and go, all right, we've got XYZ person in front of us. What do they need? Yeah. And then when we wanted to build that into a training model, which obviously became the website at the time, we really had to sit down and think about, okay, what, who is this person? What do they care about? What matters to them? And then how do we deliver it? Yeah. We set a personal standard for ourselves too, for our business. Like we, we were going to be the, the trainers that, you know, uh, provided a program for their clients every they knew exactly what they were doing or every session they were doing like that was the standard we set for ourselves we set the standard that we were going to teach our clients the important things that they needed to know to look after themselves we set the standard that we were going to coach these people as if they were going to leave in 12 weeks time and they would be able to take care of themselves so those things were that that standard that we set for ourselves was a really really pivotal kind of part of how our service evolved because we weren't going to just do the same thing as the person next to us. We wanted to be, we wanted to do more, like we were going to be better. And it didn't matter how big the gap was between us and the person next to us. If it was really low, we didn't care. We were just doing our own thing, you know, meeting the standards. We weren't going to just sit there and go, oh, we'll just do this because everyone else does it. Like that wasn't yeah. good enough. 
Yeah. So I think maybe some practical advice for to tie all this in if you're a newer trainer listening, or even if you're not a newer trainer, you've just been battling for ages. Like we didn't get our shit together for the first five years. <laughs> if you're inside that time now, like be aware of that. Um, from a, a mindset standpoint, like simple quotes that'll that'll help is even if it's not your fault, it's still your responsibility. Yep. That's the ownership one. Like if you can live by that, you're, you're good on the ownership front. Just every, every single thing, every time you get pissed off at someone else, at the gym, at the lockdowns, at the whatever, like it's, it's not your fault. Unfortunately, it's still your responsibility. Yep. So if you have that, you're good there. The growth thing is your current setting is only your current setting. And if you can live by that, you're good. So what you can put out now is the best that you can put out now. Just put it out. Because the only way you're going to move on from where you currently are is by doing more and learning. Hmm. So no one, fuck. Jason and I were just talking about the, the, the nasal bogan vocabulary that I had when we first started videos and podcasts and stuff. If I can do it and Jace, who was the typical perfectionist, if he can do it, anyone can make fucking content. hundred percent. So there's no one out there that can't sell, that can't make content, that can't do videos, that can't anything. Some people start further along. Like I was naturally pretty good at those conversations and doing sales. I wasn't naturally that good at, the technical side of things. Jace was the inverse. Yeah. We both caught up. Like you have to put yourself in that, that mindset. Yeah, agreed. Then in terms of the business model, write it down. Like that, that mantra of if I was to replace myself tomorrow, what would I have to do? Yeah. What would they have to know? And if you don't have that, you're just showing up like you, do, you don't have a business. You're just showing up and training people. You're just working. So go ahead and do that. Then from a service, it's like, you got to know who you're working with. Simple. Yeah. You got to know who you're working with. And then you've got to answer all of the obstacles that they, they're facing. Yep. Have all of those in, in your suite. So the next pillar that we talk about is clients a client acquisition. Um, which is the, the scary word of sales. <laughs> Learning to acquire clients and not sell is so valuable. Yeah, and it's not that hard actually. Well, yeah, and it almost comes from having a business model that services you, that's efficient and effective and that you believe in, and then having a service that is effective and efficient and that you believe in. Mm. That's it. Like if you have those two things in place, sales actually becomes really easy. Yeah. Like there's, we've, we've done podcast episodes on selling and all that kind of stuff. And you go and you can go and learn the minutiae of it and increase your efficacy of that. But if you know those two, those two things, when you sit down and have conversations with people, you're probably going to close more than you're not. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think the key words there are belief. Like there's so much to belief and confidence. Like 
that's what people want. It's what people like. It's what people are attracted to. They want the, mo- the most confident person in the room. They want the best person for the outcomes. And that comes from that person that has that bravado to, or that personality to, to say like, I got you. We're, we're making this happen. But you, you don't have that level of confidence if you don't know your business inside out. You know, and you don't have the, you don't know your services inside out and you haven't built those services for a particular person. You know, when you sit down with that person, it's like, there's, it's all the language is this person signing up with me. So it's, we, this is what we're going to do. You know, in the future, we'll do this. And you know, we build up to this, like you're talking as if this person's already a client. It's like, there's, there's so much power to that, you know, to, you know, from the coach and from the prospects too. So yeah. that's, if you have all the pieces set up in the right way, that conversation is not a difficult one. It's yeah. If you don't have a repeatable model, you can't do that. That's yeah. why the model side of it's so important. Yeah. And, and, and training someone reluctantly for free and whinging about it. And then at the end of the opportunity you had to show them what it's about and you haven't done things right. You just sit there and go, so it's this much. And yeah, we can start next week. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, I would be annoyed at that process too, but it's like, we haven't really maximized the opportunity we've had with people at the same time. So, you know, there's the, the client or the prospects not to blame there. You know, it's whoever taught you how to do that or it's your inability to want to sit down with someone and have a, a discussion where someone could reject you. You know, it's like, you've got to deal with that. You've got to unpack that and be like, oh, I'm not going to get everyone every time. But yeah. And if you're so, like you said, confident in your business model and your service and the level of detail you take what you do, if someone says no, nine times out of 10, obviously extreme ownership, it's not your, like, it's your responsibility to figure out why. But you gotta you gotta ask those questions. But usually it comes down to it was the wrong person. Yeah, and the 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 responsibility tends to actually be maybe you shouldn't have been in the consult with them in the first place because you didn't actually clear them that they suited what you did that you could provide the outcomes and the value that they had. Yeah, like I do it all the time. Have conversations with people on Instagram that I don't ask or don't send the resource or don't whatever because of the feedback they give. It's like, Oh, I'm doing CrossFit. I'm doing Olympic lifting. I'm into running. I'm doing this. I'm just like, yeah, that's none of that's me. So yeah. Like nice to meet you. <laughs> I'll yeah. be, I'll be your, whatever you want to call it. Instagram follower friend person and engage with you. But it's like, you're not my client. You're not who I'm looking to work with because my service doesn't service that person. If you want yeah. to look really good naked and be strong as fuck, hey, I'm going to talk to you about what I do because it fits. Yeah, yeah. And uh, trainers get really frustrated with the quality of, this, of the, the clientele that they have and the quality of the prospects that they get. And that's a really big reflection of like how they present themselves and how they run their own business and you know what what standard they set in terms of their price and, and all of those things. And, and I guess like the overall kind of package too, it's like, what are these, what do these people get? So it's like, if you want to attract the people that you want and you want that standard to be higher, but you've got to lift too, you've got to lift to the standard that you're, you're wanting to charge and that person. You're trying to attract people that see value in that 
and and that have the the goals that you want to work with too you know so that's essentially how we get you know increase the quality of the leads it's like you know i i'm not really always looking for like the cheapest thing you know especially yeah. with certain things you know a bed a mattress a fridge a personal trainer a car you know there's things that people set boundaries for when it comes to you know uh, fees and financial um, requirements. And for me, a personal trainer is one of those. It's like, I don't want the cheapest person taking care of my health and wellness, you know? And there's other people that have that same mentality, but it's like to charge more and to attract people that are committed to working out and that, you know, they, they, they are, they find it important to them and they're going to make change and those kind of things. They want a really good service and they, then they'll say, cool, this price, this, you know, what you guys charge matches, you know, what you offer. And I see tremendous value in that. So I'm going to work with you. And again, it comes down to the first three things we spoke about. It's like, have the right mindset, have the right model, know, have the right service so that you guys have the confidence to charge more and attract the people that you like, you know, cause you don't have to work with everybody after, you know, that initial phase of like just taking people on board and working out who you want, but just being the cheapest person and having a really average per service isn't going to attract someone that you most likely would like to train and have 30 of them on your book. Yeah. And even when you're in the phase of your niche being your entire gym, like being your gym members base, you should be able to create a service that fulfills the needs of that person. And you won't be frustrated with who you work with because they'll get results. People only get frustrated with their clientele because they like the biggest ones, like they're not adherent, right? It's like, oh, I want better clients who do what they're told, who are committed, blah, blah, blah. I'm sick of like motivating people. And it's like, well, have you created an environment that empowers them to be motivated themselves? Does your service actually provide that to people? Does it put them in a position where they feel like confident enough to pursue it themselves? Like it's that ownership mindset thing. It's like, well, it's not your fault that they're not motivated, but it's your responsibility to make sure that they are. It's not like, oh, fuck it. Such and such doesn't check in every week. It's like, well, what can you do? What's missing in your service that means that they don't? Have you not placed enough value on it? Have you not agreed with them on what they need to check in on that they're, they're, you're both in the same spot? Like you need to create the service that gets the outcome. And if you're shitty with the outcomes you're getting from your current clients, it says that your service isn't reflective of what they need. Yeah. It's nothing to do with who you're working with. Yeah. And that's why I guess we get really frustrated with, the the tribes on the internet that band together to hang shit on their clients who aren't compliant and don't check in it's like it's more of a reflection on how shit your service is and how shit you are as a coach than it is about your client like not you know kind of conforming and falling in line with your demands it's like you just haven't unpacked that further with that person and that person yeah. doesn't know what to do and they don't really have the trust you haven't formed a good relationship for them to actually have a conversation with you that's honest and real it's like Whose fault is that? You know. Yeah, it just tells me that you're there for you. Yeah, yeah. You're not there for the client. You're there for you. It's like, yeah. Well, you should check in for me because I need you to check in. It's like, well, what, what, what's not being communicated? Yeah. 
what standards not being set, what what's not, where's the disconnect on what's expected? Yeah, yeah. If you get better clients, well, if you get better, if you have a better service and you get better results, you'll also get better clients. Yeah, because there's nothing better than having that one or two people who just can't close their mouth and 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 not talk about you and not tell yeah. every single person that they know. You know, it's like that's one of the key things to, you know, really kind of laying a good foundation of business is referrals. And referrals only come if you're doing the right thing. If you're not like, I've never had a shit experience with someone and said, hey, Ben, you really need to go get a terrible coffee that I had, you know, at this place, <laughs> you know, like the coffee's so bad that you should go and get it too, you know, and experience yeah. the same thing that I did. You only say like, hey, I, I went to this place. It was awesome. Or I met this person or this trainer. They're so smart. They've you know, given me all of this stuff. I have all these things to take care of. I know exactly what I need to do. And I'm getting really good results. I'm really happy. Yeah. It's like, we need yeah. to create, you need to create that. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. So I think like for us, it was just like paint by numbers. Hey, it was like, just see more people will get busy. That's how we approached it at the start. Yeah. And then it was eventually evolved into who do we actually want to work with? Mine happened organically. It's just like I was in a gym and I was getting results with a certain population. And like Jay said, whether it was referrals or whether it was like people could see in the gym or they heard a piece of content or they spoke to a friend or whatever. Um, I think by the time I left Good Life, 30, 30 to 40% of my clientele weren't members of the gym. Some of them were driving up to 40 Ks to train. So it's like, that's, that didn't come from complaining about who my clients were. Yeah. That came from creating a service that nailed the clientele that I want to work with. Yep. Agreed. Last one that we talk about is um, we call it be great. So it's the technical proficiency side of being a personal trainer. Now it's interesting when we look back whether I would change how we did things, who yeah. we spent money on, where we learned from. So I think the biggest obstacle we had was access. Yeah. We were in Australia and the internet wasn't a thing. <laughs> so you couldn't learn from the best unless they were here. And when they were here, they were expensive and only the top ones came out. Yeah. So we just needed to learn and we did. We learned what was sexy. And I don't honestly don't even know how we ended up doing that mindset coaching course. I don't remember. I think Kylie just approached us. Yeah. I actually think it was like through the, she did something for us as trainers in the gym, like for everyone. Or maybe she worked with the MC group. I don't know, but something happened and we ended up like, all right, we're all going to go do this. And I wish even from a marketing standpoint, like I've learned more outside of our industry from a marketing standpoint than we learned in the first eight years inside the fitness industry. Yeah. So I, I wish we'd have found a way to tap into that sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I think technical skills wise, I was, I always had my finger on the pulse with that. Like yeah. I was pretty good. I, I had a really clear idea of the skills that I needed to get the results for my clients. And I was fortunate enough that my own hobby in training 
fell in alignment with who I wanted to train as well. So I needed to learn lots about resistance training and, you know, body composition and transformations and, you know, how calories worked and macros and all that kind of stuff. So I was really good with that. Um, Yeah. I just, I think I just, I agree. I just wish that like like Charles Polican wasn't talking to us about how to progress a gen pop to become an athletic population. No, I I just wish there was more of that around. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, But, but in saying that there's still good lessons that came out of, you know, being in that environment and even just networking and stuff as well. Mm. There was a lot of stuff that I learned that it just was useful, useless though, too. Um, So it was just like, you know, getting too caught up in, you know, just how things work and, you know, not really thinking about, well, how am I actually going to be able to use this and apply it? You know, it's just getting caught up in like, you know, learning fucking semester three biochemistry at university and stuff. It's like, what as a personal trainer, as someone who his main scope of practice is to write training programs for clientele, that's going to demonstrate it if they're in a face-to-face scenario and teach them how to do it properly give them some form of structure to keep them on track. And for me, being qualified in nutrition, getting them to work with their nutrition that's reflected of their goals. How is this semester three biochemistry grade course going to help me do that? Yeah. You know, How can it make me make better decisions? And it was like, it was useless. It really was yeah. because like we said yesterday, um, with, when, we, when we podcasted with Damon, Damon Hayhow from yeah. Recom, and we you know, wanted to, go into the weeds on, you know, now analyzing bloods and this and that. And he's like, what are you going to do that for? And he's like, because all you can do is change someone's training, change their macros and change their calories. Like that's all yeah. you can do. And I was just like, yes, a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent correct. Light bulb moment. And I was just like, all right, yeah. like I need to start thinking about more what, does this education, what outcomes can this education give me? What decision-making does this allow me to make? And can I use it for the people that I work with? Yeah. Yeah. So coming at this from like the mistakes we made that you shouldn't, if you know your service, if you know your model, if you know your client, make sure most of what you're learning applies to them. Yeah. That's the takeaway. And that's where I was, I was trying to go with it. Like, no one wants to go do <clears throat> mindset coaching in uncomfortable. Like we were two fucking 25 year old meatheads who spent 90% of our life thinking about building muscle, sitting in a room with a bunch of other middle-aged women who just wanted to talk about their feelings because we needed to learn to do that. Mm. And it's probably the most valuable course we've ever done would be that one. Yeah, like we've done lots of great technical ones, but that's probably the one that's like, if you look back of what made us successful, both in coaching our trainers and coaching our clients, it would be that specific course. So yeah, make sure you go away and actually learn stuff that's going to be applicable into your business. Doesn't mean you can't go learn to cool shit about nutrition and cool shit about movement and hypertrophy and read all the books and all that sort of shit. Like do that because it's it keeps you engaged and keeps you on the pulse and makes you excited about it. And and there's lots and lots of value to that. Just don't end up down a rabbit hole where you're talking about fucking, yeah, all the, what did you say yesterday? All the (laughs) sissises, lipolysis and all that shit, like going down this road that your clients don't give a fuck and does it actually affect your decision-making? 
knowing how stuff works is effective if it affects how you make decisions. If you if it doesn't change how you make decisions, then it's it's starting to get a bit sketchy. Yeah. So yeah, we actually had uh, so we had a, a, two very opposite podcasts uh, early on when we first brought it back. We had Damon come on and just basically say like do the same fucking thing every week, work really fucking hard, measure it and change. Mm. And we're like, like, can't really argue with that. Like I like a slightly more nuanced approach because the people we work with won't do that. Mm. And we have to take that into consideration, but I get the message. It's good. Yeah. And then we walked out of a podcast with where we discussed like just crazy levels of biology and physiology and, we both walked out like, fuck, we need to learn all this. We need to get on another level. And then by Monday, both of us had cooled down and we're like, I don't really know how I'd apply any of that. And then that episode actually got a fuckload of feedback from all our clients. They all said, oh, I turned it off. And it was like, oh, okay, that's a big, that was, a, that, was that light bulb moment for me. It was like, why am I chasing shit that my clients don't need to know? Mm. they don't need to to understand i don't need to understand to make decisions on for them so i just that that was that moment of clarity for me yeah yeah agreed and from a mistake standpoint that's what i would pass on to other trainers is learn what is going to make your clients better if and then at least with awareness make the call if you want to go do a <clears throat> physique prep course and you don't plan on training and you train like 20, 30 year old women, 35 year old women who none of them want to compete. Just have the awareness that you're going to learn for you. Yeah. I just understand that. Cause it's great to go do that. Like, fuck, this is for most of us, our hobby and our job. Mm. So go and do it, but just have the awareness that it's, you're not going to learn a physique prep to then take it to Susie Muffin top and, have her lose weight with that protocol it's like that's yes, not how this shit works yeah 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 and no one cares how much you you learn like yeah no one cares like if that ever cared then the board on the at the gym with the bachelor of exercise science is the four-year course plus <laughs> you fucking forty thousand dollars or whatever it's like that would be the reason why people are busy so no one cares how much you learn like people want someone who's technically proficient but they don't sit there and say can I have a transcript of all of the certifications that you have, please? Like they don't say that. They just like expect you to have the necessary certification because you have the authority and you've got a business and they want to see the outcomes and the message and they want to have a conversation with you to unpack what you can do for them. That's it. You know, I'm, yeah, not, looking- so- Go, sorry. I was, I'm not looking for the coach that's got, you know, that posts every course that they do. Yeah. Like, don't care about that. I want results. And so do your clients. From a mistake standpoint, one of the biggest ones I remember making, and I'm glad I got onto it really quickly. So I did a course that the they sold it as like bridging the gap between rehab and strength training. That was the goal. So it's like you needed to learn assessments of joints and mobility and interventions and all this shit. So basically they had a, a pre-screening tool that you would do an assessment. So I had people like laying down on the floor, testing internal external rotation at the hip and shoulder assessments and blah, 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 blah. And it took like 20 minutes of just rolling around on the floor with people. 
So my close ratio at that point was probably like 90%. From 90%, it dropped to like 60 just from making that change. I went from having conversations with people about their problems and showing them how I could solve them to pretending I was this hybrid physio PT doctor fucking thing that was some voodoo thing that could look at you and tell you what you needed. And it tanked because no one, yeah. no one was impressed. <laughs> I was, I thought I was fucking smart as shit. No one else was impressed. So what it came down to was go out on the gym floor, move and learn to assess that because people are here to move because most of them want to look better naked. Yep. That's yes, their hip, yes, their hip hurts too, but the, their primary goal typically is they want to look better naked. Yeah, they're signing up with you to look better naked, not to fix the hip. Mm. You can fix it as a secondary goal, but they better be looking better naked first. As well, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and reality of it is you probably can just outsource that anyway and get some input from a good mm. allied health professional and do both. Agreed. So, yeah, really important. So uh, we'll see how we go with this because I can't think of any right now. Um, what do you think the two biggest mistakes you've made have been? And then maybe the two best decisions you've made in your career. The worst decisions I've made have been like spending a lot of money on courses that I don't use. I've spent lots of money. I'm talking thousands of dollars um, and don't use anything of it because didn't have those questions about like, what's the outcome and how's it benefit myself and my clients. Um, didn't reach out for help when I needed it uh, at the start. And I was just fortunate enough that things just worked out, but it doesn't always work that way. Um, so yeah, if like I didn't have the support that I had, like I said, I wouldn't be a personal trainer right now. So yeah, those two things I, yeah, I would earmark as the biggest things. Um, and then what was the other one? Two best, best decisions you made. Uh, the best decisions I made was moving from a 60 session a week, you know, $4,000 a week business, um, downsizing that to a hybrid model and then now moving online. Um, Lifestyle is much better. But yeah, like can totally acknowledge when things are good, it's hard to, you know, uh, make that transition, but just lifestyle wasn't great. So yeah, that was a great move. Um, and then the other one is uh, just networking getting making good relationships with you know people like we've got a we've made some really good uh networking uh relationships and i'm really i'm yeah i like i'm really happy with them you know like they, it's a good good crop of people you know so yeah like those two things are the best yeah both from talent and person like as as people hey yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's just really good like-minded people very different yeah. personalities but very similar in terms of like what they want to achieve in their careers so yeah yeah. Yeah. I'd say my biggest mistakes was not getting, like you said, not getting help, not getting mentorship in some way, shape or form for in a business capacity. Yeah. Um, we were very much like, if I just get smart enough, we'll be the best. Yeah. Um, not looking outside of the industry at the time it's available inside the industry now, but looking outside of the industry at the time to find someone to learn lessons from business. 
<clears throat> in business. Um, yeah. From a marketing standpoint in particular, like the hours and hours and hours that we put in to making content that I'm not going to lie at the time was fucking good. Yeah. We look back on it now and go, Whoa. but with the information that was available at the time, it was good. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and, and we got very little return for it. So I wish we'd have done something differently to, to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Best decisions we ever made um, is paired with one of the worst decisions I've ever made. Um, which was paying $55,000 for a website that never really sold. <laughs> um, that's probably both the, the best thing I ever did and the biggest mistake I ever made because that turned us into a business overnight. Yep. That financial commitment, that level of expectation, that thought process of doing that whole thing was what made us, um, but also it was a very uneducated choice and cost yeah. a lot of money <laughs> and then the best decision we we ever made on outside of that was the the mentorship yeah in, in its initial stages which was bringing people on as as stc fit coaches uh inside our mentorship brand which was kick-started everything that we do now and forced us to learn what we did really it forced us to and actually pay attention i guess yeah but like actually finding a good business coach and program. That's the other thing. Yeah. 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 Who we have now and the channels that we have now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely. Networks. Yeah. Good networks. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think Um, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Lots to take out of that one. Big walk down memory lane for us. Yeah. Hopefully a little bit of like, oh, because I know like we talk to young coaches and they think that we're different all the time even when they come into the course they think that we're different and we're not we've actually probably spent more time fucking up than everyone else that comes through yeah (laughs) we were in our own bubble for so long yeah yeah we're committed to fast tracking that for others now Mm. because we know it can be done yeah because we've done it yeah awesome all right um so with all that in mind we're talking about the five pillars all the mistakes that we've made everything that we've learned our intake for the standout PT program is now open. We kick off on the 11th of next month. So this is out on the first. So you got two weeks. Um, so shoot us a DM or go on the website, stcfitlearning.com and check out the standout PT program. Put your details in, have a read of it. Uh, that's, yeah, we've got a few spots remaining for that. I'm looking forward to, bringing that over the Christmas break and stuff. And particularly with the States that are opening up now, it's really fucking exciting times for us. Like mm-hmm. we're sitting back looking at like, fuck when this thing opens up, those of us that have been showing up the whole time, we're in the best positions. Yeah. That upswing's yeah. happening. Yeah. So on. be ready to be on the crest of the wave, not chasing it. Uh, otherwise, yeah, check out the SEC Fit podcast as well. We're talking all our practical stuff and how we deliver our content to our clients. Other than that, oh, there's a seminar as well, uh, which is next week, the 7th, uh, which will be our standout PT. So we'll go through how we actually apply these five pillars that we talked about today. So mindset, model, business model, service, client acquisition, and then our technical proficiency stuff, uh, what's actually important and a solid walkthrough on all of those. 
So tickets available on the website. If you go to work with us on there uh, or just link in the bio on the Instagram, which is at stcfit underscore learning. If you want to follow Jason, it's at Jason Galea STC, I think. Underscore STC. There's an underscore. Underscore. Fuck, 4,000 episodes. I'll get right (laughs) one day. Uh, And mine is just Ben Scott STC. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. Um, Screenshot, share, tag, do that stuff as well. Yeah. We really appreciate when we get those. So thank you very much. All right. See you next time. Bye.